Attention patriots. Tired of the tyranny and crime in the sanctuary cities? Flee the city and seek refuge in the American Redoubt. FleeTheCity.com. Move to the freedom of Idaho, Montana, or Wyoming. FleeTheCity.com. FleeTheCity.com. Hi, this is Ron Paul. I am a former congressman, physician, and presidential candidate. The world is in turmoil. Things like Ebola, earthquakes, wars, and famines are commonplace. As Americans, we are largely sheltered from these events. However, in parts of the world, just having enough food is a huge problem. For some of us, there is the nagging thought that we may not always have it so good. So we keep some food on hand just in case. My family and I have found a product that helps us do this better. It's a home freeze dryer from Harvest Right. With it, we eat healthier and store a little more food. We freeze dry everything we love to eat, and it lasts up to 25 years. Who knows what the future will bring? One thing's certain, my family and I will always have food on the table. To learn more, go to HarvestRight.com or call 800-763-5999. That's HarvestRight.com or 800-763-5999. What your life be like if you woke up each morning with new vitality, feeling better than you have in years, and you noticed a difference in your sleeping patterns, blood sugar levels, and had a sense of well-being overall? There's something that is changing thousands of people's lives, and you could be one of them. It's called Heart and Body Extract. Sharon Harris, co-creator of Heart and Body Extract, talks about the positive effects of Heart and Body Extract. What happens with the formula Heart and Body Extract is it's giving the body the necessary vitamins, minerals, amino acids, enzymes, and phytonutrients so, so the body will heal itself. And yes, the body does have the ability to balance blood pressure, balance cholesterol, clean and unclog the arteries. It can also work on uh, balancing the circulation for diabetics. So the body is an amazing thing. It simply needs some help so it has the tools to heal itself. Heart and body extract gets results. To order your two-month supply, call now, toll-free at 866-295-5305. Order online at hbextract.com. My brothers, my sisters, I bring you a message of solidarity, a call to action, and a demand for adherence to duty of an Aryan resurgence and ultimately total Aryan victory. We have broken the chains of Jewish thought. We know not the meaning of the word mine, it is ours. Our race, the totality of our people. Ten hearts, one beat. One hundred hearts, one beat. Ten thousand hearts, one beat. We are born to fight and to die and to continue the flow, the flow of our people. Onward we will go, onward to the stars, high above the mud, the mud of yellow, black, and brown. So kinsman, duty calls. The future is now. If months from now you have not yet fully committed yourself to the alliance, then you have an effect not only betrayed your race, you have betrayed yourself. So stand up like men and drive the enemy into the sea. Stand up like men and swear a sacred oath upon the green graves of our sires that you will reclaim what our forefathers discovered, explored, conquered, settled, built, and died for. Stand up like men and reclaim our soil. Kinsmen, arise. 
Look towards the stars and proclaim our destiny. Defeat never, victory forever. Thanks for listening to Project Schoolyard Volume 2. For more information about the project, as well as lyric to the songs on this CD, please visit www.tightrope.cc. You can also find jokes, news articles, a photo gallery, free CD downloads, and a secure online shopping cart. We carry a full line of flags, t-shirts, CDs, books, stickers, and other products of interest to racially conscious white people. Please visit www.tightrope.cc. You're listening to Resolution Radio. Welcome to American Dissident Voices. I'm Kevin Alfred Strom. This week, we continue with the second part of my important interview with the author of the great truth-telling expose on vaccines. Will vaccines be the end of us? Mr. John Massero. Will Vaccines Be the End of Us is different from other vaccine-critical books. Not only does it not shy away from such topics as the nature of Jewish power and how that is relevant not only to the vaccine industry but to the future of our civilization, but it includes numerous photos, illustrations, and photocopies of documents published by the CDC and related agencies, which distinguish it from most other anti-vaccine books, documents that will convince any logical and sensible person that the authorities are lying to us on this topic. Let's listen to part two of our interview now. So 14 years then, you worked on this book, researching it and writing it. Well, yeah, 14 years I, in my spare time. Altogether, I read, you know, I, and once the Internet came around, I did a lot of, uh, I did a lot of um, research on the net. I read a total of 38 books, and 12 of them are uh, pro-vax books, just to get to hear out both sides. Mm-hmm. And um, after a while, it just becomes... It's the same old story. I mean, you just look, you know, I write about this in my book. You just look at the kind of people that are pro-vax, uh, pro-vaccine, that are really pushing it. And they're really, really rotten people. And, um, you know, as you know, I had a chapter about that in, 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 in my book. You yeah, certainly examining do. Examining the other side. Yeah. Uh, just, to, just to kind of really just give people the opportunity to see the whole picture. You know, I have quite a few quotations from some of those Provax books. You know, you just get an idea of how irrational, how 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 often how nasty they are. Really rotten people. Uh, they just make no sense. You know, that's part of it. That's part of the big picture. 
you know, and what's interesting, you know, you talk about the anti-vax movement. It goes all the way back to 1796 when uh, Edward Jenner came along with his um, smallpox vaccine. Now, but by the way, I just wanted, before I forget to mention this, uh, you know, on my website, as you know, <laughs> um, I, I offer a $30,000 reward for anybody who can show me one vaccine developer going all the way back to Jenner who wasn't or isn't a failure, a swindler, or a psychopath. That's a pretty strong and statement. I, it is. And uh, because, again, these people, uh, you, they are just, just such shallow, dishonest, fraudulent people, you know, beginning with Jenner. And I mailed that letter, I mailed that offer out to all all 50 uh, state health commi- public health commissioners. And I asked them to make copies and give them to all the employees. I'm sure they did. And I said... <laughs> I don't know what they did. I, I got, I did get one. I got two responses actually. I got one from Maryland. From this, from Maryland, it was just a ridiculous. I, I mail. I, by the way, I mailed that out after after the COVID vaccine rollout, and I just got a ridiculous form letter. It wasn't even a personal reply, you know, saying, uh-huh. telling me how um, how the COVID vaccine was was so healthy and so safe and safe and effective and. How it's uh, helping here? It didn't even it didn't even uh, address my 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 challenge, and um, then I got another one from from uh, from New Mexico. It was, a, it was it was really kind of a funny thing. It was just an exchange between um, some low level bureaucrat. She shouldn't even she was wrong in sending me this thing. It was just like a dialogue between uh, this woman and a higher up, saying how she should handle this letter. <laughs> and, um, it was ridiculous. I mean, I, I mentioned this I, on my website as well, but nobody answered my challenge uh, from the, the state state health departments. Although I did get four people challenge me, and I have that up on my website. None yeah. of them really addressed what I said. Well, you've read this because uh, you handled Indeed. my site. Yes, <laughs> you've all heard it over and over. Vaccines have saved millions of lives. Um, they're a modern modern medical miracle, but. Um, you know, you go all the way back to Jenner. The funny thing was, at the time, as soon as people first heard about what he did, people, some people, it's funny because some people, you know, people are different. They had different reactions, just like with the COVID vaccine. Some people, you know, thought he was really onto something, and some people just freaked out, you know, because the, the smallpox vaccine was, was taken from, it was made from, um, it was made from the scabs of, 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 uh, of, of cattle, of cows who were infected with cowpox. Yes, and here he is in, injecting this stuff into little kids' veins. Yes, that was the very first, the very first vaccination was in 1796. Talk about controversial! It, it was controversial, and there's actually, if you go, there was there was a famous. Well, it's, it should be famous, but in 1802, um, you can find this on the internet. There's a picture. There's a portrait of a cartoonist at the time, and he and he. It was a it was a uh, a portrait of a, of a bunch of people um, who were really opposed to to what he had done, and they were growing like cow tails and cow faces and cow udders. I mean, people had the sense then to, to some people had the, had the common sense to realize that if you put foreign anim, animal matter into a human being, it's going to do strange things. Even though, of course, nobody grew udders or cow tails or anything like that. <laughs> yeah, of course not. But but it was just common sense. And Jenner, uh, well, Jenner, let me say, like as I said, he he 
he uh, announced his great new vaccine in 1796. He died in 1823, and right up to his death, there was a lot of controversy. He was really put on the spot. People were very skeptical. I mean, he gave some lectures, and he was just, he was just, you know, even right off the bat, you know, people realized, you know, a lot of people still got smallpox, even though, even in spite of the, his so-called uh, great discoveries. So, um, you know, and since then, and actually smallpox has been, if you go, if you research it going way back when, it really has been the, the most controversial vaccination of all. You know, and I have a whole chapter about that in my, in my book. And, um, you know, right to the 19th century, I mean, a lot of uh, prominent doctors who once, who once uh, believed in it, you know, they just, then they started seeing the results with their own eyes. And what were the results? Well, the results, it was, it was uh, such a failure. And a lot of people, you know, uh, I don't know how many, but a lot of people died of it or they got, they broke out in pox themselves. So, um, you know, it was just pretty obvious to a lot of people that it wasn't working. And, um, well, then why is it cited today as the greatest success story uh, of medical science, or one of the greatest? For the same reason that, that the Holocaust is cited as the greatest example of man's inhumanity to man. You know, it's just a bunch of nonsense, hmm. and, uh, and it's a huge business. Is it your you know, position just, that, that uh, injecting animal matter, diseased animal matter, for, <laughs> as far as that goes, uh, or are killed viruses or weakened viruses is high risk and confers little to no benefit. Is that, is that your position? Yes, and I, I wouldn't even use the word little. I mean, nobody really knows. I mean, I, just from, uh, well, you know, we can, we can just talk about just our lifetimes. I mean, I'm sure like you, as I said, we're only three years apart in age and I'm sure I, you must have gotten just five or six doses, I would imagine, as a child, correct? Yes, just, just a few vaccines. I Honestly, I don't remember what they were, but there weren't right. many of them. No. And my younger brother, I have a younger brother and two younger sisters, and they were born, two were born in the 50s, and my youngest sister was born in 1962. And she only got one more than we got, which was measles, the measles vaccine. Not mm -hmm. MMR, just a single measles vaccine. So, you know, kids, you know, all of, all of us baby boomers only got, you know, at most five or six doses. And, you know, all the, the vaccines that they've added on since then, I mean, the question just asks, answers itself as far as is there any benefit. I mean, just look, you know, people of our age or close to us in age, I mean, we grew up fairly healthy. I mean, um, compared to all the problems that kids have today, um, they're up to like 72 doses on the recommended CDC schedule. Wow, more than I 10 times what we got. Yeah, exactly. And I know 41 doses are required for school attendance uh, from birth. Uh, now they get the hepatitis B at, at birth, the day of birth, which to me is just criminally insane, up to the age of 18. And, and in New York State, and I'm pretty sure it's, it's pretty close in, in, in most states, 41 doses are required, um, as I said, up to senior year in high school. And kids are definitely not 10 times healthier now than they used to be. They're, Ten we, times we, we, Yeah, we see the autism epidemic. We see ADHD being constantly diagnosed in kids. 
deafness, all sorts of problems. Asthma, yeah, all kinds of problems that just didn't exist. And now, you know, the way the pharmaceutical companies work, it's, you know, once now the kids are sick, now we have to give them new, now new medications are required to treat the sicknesses that came about because of, of, of being overly vaccinated. So it's just complete insanity to me. And as I mentioned at the beginning of my book, I mean, this whole thing, you know, you said little or no benefit. I, I just say no benefit, no benefit that I can see. And I think eventually, you know, people, you know, human beings are so, just so slow to change. It took them 2,000 years to realize that uh, bloodletting uh, didn't do anything, was, was more harmful and helpful. I don't know how much you know about bloodletting. I mean, George Washington died of it. And yes, uh, a lot, of, died of, a lot of people well. died of it, and they, they thought they were that the human body was composed of certain what they called humors, blood being one of them. That's and right. you, you had to balance the humors. All disease was caused by imbalanced humors, and now we know that's just complete nonsense. But that was the belief of the most educated medical men for hundreds of years. 2,000 years, according to what I've read, 2,000 okay. years. And then variolation, which immediately preceded vaccination, which was very similar to it, except that they put, instead of putting cow matter into people, what they did was they crushed up the scabs of people who had smallpox. So, um, you know, they put that into people. And that was around for about 400 years. And as a matter of fact, it carried right over into the... Um, hold on, i got to let my cat in. Come on, Coach, come on. Come on. Um, that carried right over into the uh, American colonial times. And, that, and, that, and that's when they started, people started becoming, around that time, the late 18th century, is when people started becoming disillusioned with it. And um, But that was around for like 400 years. Um, Interesting. Yeah, so, you know, now with vaccination where it's, what, 200 and... Uh, 220, almost 230 years. And I'll tell you one thing with this COVID, you know, with this, what's, what happened with this COVID vaccine, I think people are really questioning the whole, uh, business of vaccination like, like never before. Yes, I think so. so. They you know, just were lied to, uh, one too many times and they finally caught on by the millions that they've been lied to. And yet people are still getting it, still getting, Still taking their kids to the pediatrician. Um, well, as you and I know, if, if people don't see something, if they don't see it on television, then it can't be true. So they just keep hearing. I, I, I would like to believe that a hell of a lot more people are not getting their kids vaccinated at all. I don't know. You know, I just, I don't. My social circle is very small, and and um, you know, vaccination is just a very sensitive subject. So I don't bring. I used to. Uh, I remember when I first read that book. I used to beg people to read it before taking, you know, be, just so they wouldn't go out and get another flu shot or take their kids to the pediatrician. And um, I remember, you know, I, I probably ran it by about, over, over the course of 10 years, I just suggested to about 50 people that I knew, you know, family, friends, acquaintances. Um, you know, I said, just read this book by Neil Miller, Vaccines Are, are the Really Safe and Effective. You know, you can, you can read it in one sitting, and only one person out of roughly 50 actually took the time to read it, and she was very, very, very impressed by it. So um, that's just the way people are. I mean, Most people again, are not I mean, thinkers, John. Most people are just team joiners, and they just believe whatever the leaders of yeah. their team say. 
And uh, that's that's my yes. conclusion. However, I do think that I have I have never seen the the uh, vaccine critical part of the population be as vocal as they, they have been since covid. And I have never seen it growing like it has before. Of course, maybe it's because social media is growing. But I have a feeling, even from talking with people in the local community, including some medical professionals, you know, lower level medical professionals who, who have given me a wink and uh, an acknowledgement uh, and under the table acknowledgement that they are vaccine critical themselves and fully support my decision not to vaccinate my children. I, from all, you know, this is all anecdotal, but I really feel like maybe the rebellion is only a portion of the thinking part of the population and the thinking part is the minority, but it's still bigger than it's ever been in my lifetime. I mean, my, myself, my parents, we all, totally trusted the medical establishment. They were scientists. They knew what they were doing. They had conducted studies. This stuff was safe and effective. It was the greatest miracle of modern times. And now there's a lot of questioning of that. People may not be going as far as you've gone, but I think they were lied to and the thinking people have been lied to one or two more times than they can tolerate. And now they're starting to doubt it all. Well, I'd like to, I wish there's a lot of, the kind of people you describe, I, you know, I just, I don't see it in my acquaintances. I, I just hope you're right. I mean, uh, well, I'm sure you're, I'm sure you're correct in the, in saying that a lot of, you know, more people than ever are really questioning it. But I just wonder, you know, is it just maybe another two or 3% of the population? I would love to think it's like 30 or 40%, but, um, you know, that's, I'm sure that's not the case. Well, there's you know, Darwin, you know, Darwinian selection is happening before our eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. But um, you know, and I wanted to say too that just you know, that, well, there's so much, so many aspects about this we can talk about. We're going to run out of time, I'm sure. But it, you know, we we spoke about how neither of us, while we were growing up, ever heard a bad word about vaccines, and yet, you know, going back, uh, there were books published you know, in our lifetimes that were, that really came down hard on vaccines. And one of the best I read, uh, which came out in 1957, you know, when we were just both little kids, is The Poison Needle by Eleanor McBean. And it, it's just fascinating to read at the time. Because there were a lot of people, not a lot of people, but a fair amount of people were really, really critical of what Jonas Salk was up to. You know, he really was a gangster. Like, we, we just, there's just so much to talk about, even just with the polio vaccine alone. But this book, it kind of, it, it is like divided between the smallpox vaccine and the polio vaccine. And, you know, when she published it, when she was writing it at the time, actually, um, it was very, the polio vaccine was very much in the news. People had, you know, were running out and getting it. Uh, that was another big scare thing. You know, of course, I was too, it was just a toddler at the time. I mean, mm-hmm. In 19, well, 1955 is when it, when it, um, when, you know, when the big announcement that, you know, this, the great saw came along and he's going to put an end to the scourge of polio, which was a bunch of nonsense because it really was never, it really never really, uh, it, 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 a lot, it was a lot like COVID. I mean, it, not very few people were really, really seriously affected by it. You know, they used the scare tactics of, of put, you know, showing, you know, little kids in braces and, iron lungs, but that, it was just a very, very minute percentage of the population that, that really got full-blown polio. I mean, this book said a lot yes. in the 50s, in the 1950s. 
Well, it was a very good book, um, Evidence of Harm by David Kirby. I think it was published in 2005, which was really when the, the controversy about mercury and vaccines uh, was getting a lot of discussion. That's a very, very good book. I, I mean, I can, you know, in my, in my book, um, you know, I talk about some of the books, the, the very good books that I've read. Oh, yes. It's a very great review of the literature. In your book, yes, and your book is three hundred no, pages, almost three hundred pages of rather small type in two columns. So it's a big book. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just saying before that I had mentioned that book by Eleanor McBean, which basically focuses on on smallpox and um, polio. Just what a fraud both vaccines were. It's very, you know it's a very interesting book because I myself when I did my own research I never. Uh, the oldest book I, I, I looked at was, uh, I have it right in front of me here, Horrors of Vaccination by, by Charles Higgins, which was published in 1920. And it's only about smallpox, but it's a really, really good book. But the McBean book, it goes back, she has a lot of quotations from, she talks a lot about Jenner, and there's some really interesting quotations. Actually, she quotes a book that was written in England later that century, in the 19th century. And he discusses some of the lectures that Jenner gave. You know, and this goes back to the early 1800s and how people were just, people just couldn't believe, believe all this nonsense. And he just ran into all kinds of problems. People could, a lot of people did not take him seriously. By the way, he, when, he, when his cowpox didn't work that well, then he went to horse. Uh, there was a, it was a disease they used to call grease. I didn't even know anything about this. Never heard uh, of it. It was a, yeah, it, well, it was, maybe they don't, it's still around, but they don't call it that anymore. It was a disease, and horses used to ooze pus from their hooves. And that, and then he started using that. <laughs> this sounds so, like great science. Does, isn't it great science? I mean, <laughs> you know, and, that, and people were just continually got, were, were horrified with this. And, um, Anyway, in her book, she goes back and she there were several I don't know seven or eight pages of of discussions of uh, all the problems that Jenner ran into in the early 1800s, and um, basically what she does with this book because the smallpox, you know, we've all heard that you know okay yeah smallpox it, it eradicated the disease, and um, by the way they, they were giving smallpox vaccines right right up up until uh, 1971. That's when they did away with it. You, okay. you, I'm sure you got one. I got one. I still have okay. a little mark on my arm. Wow. Yeah. So it was around for a long, long time. So the disease but, is gone, though. Doesn't that mean that Jenner was right and the vaccinologists are right? Well, you know what? It, 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 they say it's gone, but there's all kinds of... Uh, I discussed this, I think, in, in the later pages of my book. There's, there's all kinds of... Well, not all kinds. There's some weird pox diseases that are coming back in certain countries, you know, usually third-world countries. You know, and this, this, and this just points up the whole fraudulence of vaccines. They just, uh, this is what they do with polio. They start renaming things. Now, you know, that, now they call it monkeypox. How do we know that monkeypox isn't the same thing as smallpox? You know, it's, um, there's like different strains of it. And um, like what they do in, in polio, uh, with polio in the 50s, just to kind of so supposedly prove that, um uh, that Salk's vaccine was so effective, people still came down with polio, but then they started calling it aseptic meningitis. So, um, you know, there's just all this, 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 this chicanery, this, this deception. 
Isn't it true that some of these diseases were declining on their own before the advent of vaccines anyway? Oh, yeah, sure. You know, that's pretty much common knowledge with, you know, people who have researched it. We know with with the improvement in sanitation and hygiene and fresh food. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, um, you know, that's, yeah, that's just a very basic point of knowledge with a lot of people. Well, so, so, you know, when you have something like this, you've concluded that it's, it's, well, you've concluded it's basically entirely fraudulent. Some people would say it's largely fraudulent, but, you know, if it's fraudulent, what is it? Is it a is it a racket to make money? Is it a conspiracy to kill us? Is it just people who are deeply misled, or is it some combination of two or three of those things? I think it's a combination. Well, the first thing we have to, you know, of course we have to recognize it is a huge, huge industry. Uh, I read somewhere recently it's a hundred and eighty billion dollar a year industry, you know, world worldwide. So this is, um, uh, you know, how many people make their living from this? Even all these these public health departments, how many bureaucracies, how many um, people does this industry employ? You know, it's kind of like the military. I mean, there is just, you know, not only the the, the super rich people that are, that are involved with it, but, I mean, the whole, I would say the whole category of pediatricians, I mean, it, it's, um, it's their bread and butter. Vaccinations are their bread and butter. Mm-hmm. These so-called will baby visits. Um, you know who need who needs these people? Yeah, good question. You know, in the pharmace- everybody you know in the pharmaceutical industry, you know, right down from from the very top down through these all these bureaucracies down to the, uh, the the woman at CVS or Walgreens giving you a shot. I mean, you were talking about. You know, millions just in this country alone. Millions. Sure, the manufacturing um, has got to be a staggering enterprise with literally billions of, of doses being made every year. It's just unbelievable. It is, yeah. It's so it's an industry. It's a huge, it's a huge money making racket. You can get your own copy of Will Vaccines Be the End of Us by visiting natall.com slash vbook that's n-a-t-a-l-l dot com slash vbook please be sure to be with me next week when I'll continue this important conversation with author John Macero right here on American Dissident Voices
You're listening to Resolution Radio, Radio, Radio. ResolutionRDO.com Listen, do you hear that sound? It started low, but it's getting progressively louder. Into a crescendo, even louder. Irresistible ending in an ear-splitting blast of mass disruption. That's the sound of America's economic and political systems crashing to the ground. But we have a plan. We will be ready to restore political sanity. We will be ready to answer the call of productive America. We will restore America's industrial base and put America back to work. We will shut down political correctness and restore decency and positive media to America. We will save our constitution, our traditional way of life, our customs, and religion. We will restore sound money and crush the debt-based system of monetary slavery. And we will end America's foreign misadventures. We are the American Freedom Party, and we have a plan. Learn more about us, theamericanfreedomparty.us. In the early 1900s, certain companies were off-gassing highly toxic fluoride gases into the atmosphere. The surrounding communities began to get sick. Laws were enacted to compel these corporations to install scrubbers to convert these gases into fluorosilicic acid, still highly toxic but containable. Now these companies had a stockpile of this poison, and there was no affordable way to dispose of it. Lucky for them, one of their major stockholders was also the Secretary of the Treasury, who was responsible for the public health service at the time. And by 1950, the U.S. government began buying this toxic, untreated industrial waste product and dumping it into our drinking water. Reputable studies show that it's causing various cancers and other disease. With the Alexa Pure Pro, you can have clean drinking water and a remedy to this madness. Available now at InfoWarsStore.com. The team at Antelope Hill is proud to announce the release of a new translation, Leon de Grel in Exile by Jose Luis Jerez Reisco. Readers of The Burning Souls will already be familiar with de Grel's life before and during the Second World War, his service on the Eastern Front, and his involuntary post-war exile in Franco, Spain. This new work tells the story of his life in exile in detail, replete with first-hand accounts from Spanish nationalists and friends of de Grel. During his time in Spain, de Grel did not wallow in sadness, despite the atrocities inflicted upon him and his family by the victorious Allied powers. He stayed remarkably active in European nationalist politics and left a lasting impression on both his personal friends and those from around the European world who took inspiration from his tenacious idealism. De Grel's enduring legacy in Spain is well-deserved. Such a legacy also deserves to be spread to both sides of the Atlantic and beyond. Antelope Hill is proud to be the first to bring this unparalleled biography to the English reader. Get Leon De Grel in exile today at antelopehillpublishing.com. Yeah. 